was a little bit unsettling to realize that you're inside the bubble circle. And what do I do now? On tonight's KRBD Evening Report, sharing space with whales isn't always the easiest, so what should people do? Plus, Missing and Murdered Indigenous Persons Awareness Day is today, and time is running out for the legislature to pass a bill recognizing Alaska's 229 tribes. All that and more coming up. First, let's take a look at the weather. Mostly cloudy tonight with isolated rain showers, lows in the mid-30s, and light winds. On Friday, scattered rain showers, highs around 50 and light winds. Friday night, partly cloudy, lows in the mid-30s and light winds. Partly sunny on Saturday, highs in the mid-50s and northwest winds to 10 miles an hour. Mostly cloudy Saturday night, lows around 40 with light winds. It's the KRBD Evening Report. I'm Eric Stone. Tourism season is beginning here in southeast Alaska, which means around a half million people will likely be hoping to see whales. Residents also look forward to encounters out on the water, but sharing space with the marine giants isn't always easy. KFSK's Angela Denning reports from Petersburg. 80-year-old Mike Schwartz of Petersburg has been around whales his whole life. As a fisherman and outdoorsman, he's had many close encounters. Once, while watching a group of humpbacks bubble feeding, he ended up a little closer than he wanted. One whale started bubble feeding on the far side, and then opposite him, maybe 100 feet, another whale started bubble feeding. So the two of them bubble fed all the way into a circle. And Schwartz found his boat in the middle. It was a little bit unsettling to realize that you're inside the bubble circle. And what do I do now? And then all of a sudden, they're there. They're all there. And, of course, the herring are squirting out of their mouth. Humpback whales are common in the region, even in high-traffic areas. Orcas or killer whales show up, too. Schwartz remembers traveling with his wife from Ketchikan to Petersburg when they discovered they weren't alone. It was rain-thick, and when everything lifted, we realized that we were in the middle of the biggest pod of killer whales we'd ever seen. We quit counting at 80 and they would come up right alongside of the boat. So what should people do? Susie Tierling says it's not always intuitive how to act around whales. She's a marine mammal specialist with the National Oceanic and Atmospheric Administration. It is really difficult to interpret those behaviors because all the behaviors that you might see could be occurring for lots of different reasons. The Marine Mammal Protection Act protects whales from harassment. Tierlink says that can mean anything that might change their natural behavior. In 2019, NOAA issued eight on-site citations, according to the law enforcement office in Juneau. In an email, the office says they fined a tour company nearly $9,000 for dropping off paddle boarders to approach humpback whales. They fined another company nearly $4,500 for approaching killer whales head-on in a narrow pass, causing the whales to turn around and swim away. In general, though, it can be very difficult to prove wrongdoings just from complaints. Instead, Noah likes to focus on education. Tierlink says when people encounter whales in the wild, they should remember that the animals are busy doing something, often feeding, nursing, resting, or socializing. They have an agenda. They have things they need to be doing, and it might not be visible from the surface of the water. She discourages people from trying to interpret whales' behavior. A tail slap, for example, could mean several things, a sign of distress or a form of communication within the pod. Tierlink says they may be behaving in an interesting way, but it's not for the sake of people. They aren't, as some people like to say, putting on a show. There isn't a part of their biology that 
is driven to perform. There isn't a show. They're not trying to pull in humans to, you know, participate. It isn't for um, entertaining both. Over 20 years ago, a rule was established in Alaska requiring whale watchers to be 100 yards from humpback whales. Tierlink says it's a good practice for all marine mammals. But sometimes, judging proximity is hard. Whales can swim underwater and surface near a boat, something that Mike Schwartz knows all too well. And for him, it's often unforgettable and emotional. For me, it's a deeply, deeply spiritual experience. And uh, uh, it's hard to put into words. Whales are intriguing for residents, tourists, and tour guides alike. Tierlink says one thing that could benefit tour companies is signing up for the Whale Sense program. It promotes stewardship and education for responsible whale watching. In Petersburg, I'm Angela Denning. Today is Missing and Murdered Indigenous Persons Awareness Day. There are gatherings all over the state, including along Egan Drive in Juneau this morning. Some held signs that said Indigenous Lives Matter and Break the Cycle and the Violence with the hashtags Not Forgotten and MMIP. Jenny Brown is a behavioral health aide at the Central Council of Lincoln and Haida Indian Tribes of Alaska and an MMIP advocate. We are at the wetlands in Juneau at seven o'clock in the morning <laughs> and we're out here for um, Missing and Murdered Indigenous Awareness Day. She's here for personal reasons too. Her cousin Linda has been missing since 2016. The supporters wore red handprints on their faces. Jamie Ann Saichlin Hasselquist works for Central Council's Department of Public Safety. The red handprint is, uh, signifies that we won't be silent anymore. And it's also believed that red is the color that the spirits can see. And so when we wear red, we're uh, calling them and, and they can hear us and, and know that um, we're still looking for them. We haven't forgotten them. Supporters are gathering this afternoon at the Capitol for a march to Elizabeth Parantovich Hall. Speakers at this evening's rally include Representative Andy Story, Central Council of Clinket and Haida Indian Tribes of Alaska, Chathyaish Richard Peterson, and Ann Sears. She's Alaska's new statewide investigator for missing indigenous peoples. Time is running out for the Alaska State Legislature to pass a bill recognizing Alaska's 229 tribes. The bill faces just one last committee before it can be voted on on the Senate floor. KYUK's Olivia Eberts reports most Democrat and Republican legislators have a reason to try to get the bill passed before the session ends. If the bill passes, the state of Alaska will have to start recognizing Alaska's 229 tribes as sovereign nations. Tribes are inherently sovereign, and the United States federal government already recognizes them as such. Bethel Representative Tiffany Zolkowski authored the bill. It passed the House in January, but it's been stuck in its final Senate committee for three months. It's been heard five times in the Senate State Affairs Committee. That's many more times than it was heard in its other committees. It will be heard once more on Thursday afternoon. The bill must pass out of committee this week or next to get heard on the Senate floor before the session ends. That requires the majority of the five committee members to approve the bill.
That requires the majority of the five committee members to approve it. The committee chair, Senator Mike Schauer, has expressed support for the bill. His aide told KYUK there have been multiple committee hearings because Schauer wants to make sure the other committee members understand it. The most opposition has come from committee member Senator Laura Reinbold. She said she thinks 229 tribes is a lot. And she's not sure about granting them sovereignty because she doesn't understand how they get their members. The AFN general counsel talked and I asked her, how is a tribe defined? Is it a bloodline, etc.? And uh, basically what she said, they're moving away from the bloodline, they're moving away from the regional. But again, no one could tell me how exactly tribal members were, were chosen. Tribal sovereignty means that each tribe has the inherent authority to govern itself and make its own decision about membership. Senator Scott Kawasaki is the lone Democrat on the committee. He says Reinbold is a fringe voter and doesn't represent the other three Republicans on the committee. The bill could still move out of the committee without her support. Kawasaki says it's important that the legislature pass this bill before session ends. If they don't, the bill will become a ballot measure. The ballot measure could draw more blue voters to the polls during the midterm elections. If there were a large Native Alaskan contingency that went to the polls, that typically votes blue, then there could be the potential for some upset elections in certain regions. I think that that is on the minds of uh, most of the Republican folks. But Kawasaki says it could also work against Democrats. The ballot measure could draw voters who don't support tribal sovereignty and would vote against it. An aide for committee chair Mike Schauer says his office won't say whether or not he intends to try to move the bill out of committee on Thursday. Republican and Democratic legislators from both the House and the Senate have signed on to co-sponsor the bill, including YK Delta Senator Lyman Hoffman. In Bethel, I'm Olivia Eberts. Petersburg's Borough Assembly on Monday voted to send a letter opposing a bill that would create five new urban native corporations in southeast Alaska and transfer land from the Tongass National Forest to those corporations. Some on the Assembly thought there should be more chance for public comment, as Joe Vicknicki reports from Petersburg. Alaska's congressional delegation has repeatedly introduced legislation that would change the Alaska Native Claims Settlement Act. The bill would provide new urban corporations in Petersburg, Wrangell, Tenakee, Haines, and Ketchikan, each with just over 23,000 acres of national forest land. Petersburg's vice mayor, Jay Stanton Gregor, proposed a letter opposing the bill. But I have a real heartache with taking, for any reason, lots and lots of public land and giving it to private business with the sole goal of uh, for-profit use. Um, That's it. Uh, The goal of that land, if this goes through, will be to maximize profit. That's what that does. The five communities did not meet certain requirements for corporation status under the landmark 1971 law. However, other places that also didn't meet those requirements were allowed to form corporations and granted land. Supporters say this legislation would return a tiny fraction of Aboriginal territory taken from Alaska Natives. Future shareholders say the new corporations would spur economic development with possibilities for tourism or carbon credits or other uses like food or cultural activities. Subsurface or mining rights would go to Sea Alaska, the regional native corporation. Natives in the five communities have identified the parcels they'd select. Petersburg Assemblymember Dave Kensinger said he's against the legislation because of those selections. I'd have a lot easier time supporting this if it was one block of land. But it makes your head crazy if you look at all the selections they've made. 
He also thought those land choices could impact the U.S. Forest Service's ability to offer timber sales in the area. Other opponents have been concerned about logging on the land or continued access. There's language in the bill that would allow that public access, but also allow a corporation to restrict access in certain situations. Mayor Mark Jensen requested the Assembly take a position on the bill and thought it could have a hearing in a Senate committee. Two years ago, local elected officials asked for more time to learn about the impacts. Since then, supporters and opponents from Petersburg and elsewhere have testified at multiple Assembly meetings. The Assembly also drafted a long list of questions about the bill's impacts. Supporters of the legislation provided detailed answers. Assembly member Jeff Mucci wasn't ready to take a position and said he still had unanswered questions. It's a real emotional issue in Petersburg, and, and I, I get that. And I want to make sure before I vote one way or the other on it that I've had the opportunity to listen to the folks in town and some of the folks who are involved with it who don't live in Petersburg, but just hear what they have to say and, you know, see what we can do. The vote was four to three to send a letter opposing the bill. Bob Lynn joined Mayor Jensen, Stanton Greger, and Kensinger voting yes to send the statement of opposition. In Petersburg, I'm Joe Vicknicki. That's all for tonight's edition of the KRBD Evening Report. Thanks so much for tuning in. You can get this show as a podcast on your favorite podcast app or on your smart speaker by asking it to play the KRBD Evening Report. We'll be back tomorrow. I'm Eric Stone.